All right, morning, everybody. I've never been so happy to be swamped by uh, emails as I was this week. And uh, many hundreds, literally hundreds of, of you guys, and from the first service too, uh, joined me in the three-day fast this last week, and it was awesome. I was, I was, like I said, I was completely swamped. I was in over my head. I think I did get back to pretty much everybody, and I heard lots of amazing testimonies. I mean, I just felt blessed because I was hearing so many uh, testimonies, things God was doing. And, uh, and so this week, I'm actually going to, we're just going to follow up. I'm going I'm to do a follow-up message to last week. So many of us as a body, we were in this thing together in the prayer and fasting. And so on Wednesday, as all this stuff is just pouring in, I'm getting questions, I'm getting testimonies, I'm getting praise reports and, uh, from you guys. And, and so I just prayed to the Lord and, and I was, Lord, what do you want me to do this week? And I just really felt like he was saying I needed to do a follow-up message to last week because it's right, it's right where we're at as a church body uh, right now. So I want to do another uh, message on prayer and, uh, and so just a reminder, as we go into that message now on prayer, uh, next week, I know you just feel like, hey, we just had a prayer summit. We did just have a prayer summit. It's prayer and fasting month. So we had one right in the middle. So we had one there uh, last Tuesday. Um, and then next week, Sunday, which is church renewal weekend. So it's Sunday night. It's not Tuesday. But one week from now, Sunday night, we'll have a prayer summit to uh, kind of the grand finale uh, to the month. And again, so many of you, I've heard so many amazing testimonies and answers to prayer. You know, I think it'll be a great finale as we have uh, really been seeking God this last, uh, this last month, and it'll be a celebration. Um, today, what I want to do is I want to I talk about the prize of prayer, the prize of prayer. And, and really what's going to happen this morning is I'm going to, there's two sides to this message. I'm calling it the prize of prayer. The flip side of it is as we discover what the prize of prayer is, it's going to answer a question, okay? And the question is, why is it that sometimes when I pray, I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall? You know, some of you may be a little frustrated. Many of you, again, many incredible testimonies. But just some of, I, a lot of the bunch of them I saved because I was like, I got to go back and read some of these uh, again in the future. But God just breaking into people's lives. But maybe some of you felt, you know, everybody around me is getting these awesome answers to prayer and these encounters with God. And I just feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall. And so I want to, I want to, th- this message is going to speak to both sides. We're going to talk about the prize of prayer but the flip side of that is, is as you discover what the prize of prayer is, it also answers the question of why many times when we pray, sometimes we pray, it's just this powerful experience, and sometimes, you know, other people are having this powerful experience, and then sometimes we just, we just feel like we're not getting anywhere. The prayer just feels dead. There's no energy there. We just, we don't know where we're going. And when we answer the question of what the prize of prayer is, it really sews up that other one as well, all right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before I get there, we're first going to look at a bunch more passages of Scripture. Awesome promises of prayer. Let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you met us as a church in powerful ways this last week as we prayed and fasted. And I thank you, Jesus, for many people here. Some people already received their promises. Lord, many people are just now in the waiting phase. What happened this last week, Jesus? You showed me a picture this week that many of us as we fasted, during the fasting, you were planting seeds in our lives. And later on this year, 10 months from now, 11 months from now, a year from now, many of us are going to look back on our pursuit of you this past week in prayer prayer and fasting, and we're going to realize that the answer to prayer started back this last week. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives the rest of this year 
as a result of our prayer and fasting. And I pray today by your Holy Spirit that you would really minister powerfully to us, that you would give us a love for the, for the Father, and Jesus, that you would open our hearts to what you want to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. So before we get to the prize of prayer and why sometimes prayer we feel like we're hitting a wall, I want to just review, the, not, not even review, I want to show you some new ones. Last week I showed you some, some crazy promises in the Bible about prayer. Today I'm going to show you some that are even more stunning than anything I showed you last week. And, uh, and there's some stuff here that God wants to show us. I want to start with 1 John 5, 14 to 15. And this is sort of the, the warm-up. The ones we're going to get into in John chapters 14 through 16 are absolutely out of this world. But 1 John 5, 14 to 15 is one of my uh, favorite prayer passages and, and scripture promises in the Bible. And it says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. And, and I just love that. This is the confidence we can have confidence as we go to prayer. Sometimes, some of you have confidence when you go to prayer. Some of you do not have confidence when you go to prayer. But John says, this is the confidence that we can have toward him. This is the confidence you can have in prayer. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. Now that is already a very stunning prob- promise. It's a stunning promise, okay? If we ask anything according to his will, and if we know that he hears us, we can ask whatever we ask, and we know, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And this is a promise. This is actually the adventure. Now, again, we're going to talk in this message why sometimes we don't feel like this, that, like this promise is true. And, and some of you, actually, there's, there's maybe some people here today, you have never... Okay, some of you have experienced this passage to be sometimes true, and we're going to talk about why for some of us it only seems to be sometimes true and not all the time true. But some of you have actually never experienced this to be true, okay? And one of the reasons, I just want to talk about that for just a moment here, one of the reasons some Christians have never experienced this to be true is because they actually just have never prayed. They just don't pray. I'm not talking about they've never prayed in the sense that they've never prayed for a meal or they've never thrown up a prayer to God. But some Christians, there's actually a group of people that call themselves Christians, they go to church. And they have never experienced this to be true. They have never experienced the confidence of going to, to God in prayer and receiving an answer from him. And the reason it has, and, and some of them, maybe, and maybe you're here today and you're sick of hearing about Christians who get answers to prayer and all these big things. And sometimes for some people, the reason is because you just have never actually really prayed. And for some of you today, you just need to rise up. You need to stop being upset at everyone around you who gets answers to prayer. And you just realize that if you actually want to get some of these passages, you actually just have to do it. You actually just have to get before God and go to him and start saying, these are some of my needs. I want to experience some of this. All right? And then as we get into this message, we'll see for some of the rest of us, you know, why it's only sometimes. But most of us, if you've walked with God for any period of time, you have at some point, point in your walk, if you've walked with Jesus and actually walked with him, it's a relationship, it's not just a thing up in your head, you have experienced this passage to actually be true. And this passage describes for us an adventure. Prayer is supposed to be an adventure where you go to God, and, and it's not a formula, and I don't, and, and sometimes it doesn't quite work this way, but, and, and how do you know that you're doing this? But there's just times when we go to prayer and you are praying this request, and somehow you just know. You just know that you and God are on the same page, and you know that he's hearing you, and sure enough, it's so exciting, 
a little while later, whatever it is, a month, a year, however long, you're persisting in prayer about this thing, and then you receive what it is that God has, that, that you have been asking for, and prayer is actually a joy and an adventure. Your relationship with Jesus is an adventure in those times. And, and I, I just, you know, as I was thinking this week, I was praising God, I was remembering all the times in my life where I've experienced this passage to be true. And, and there's so many. Some of them I've shared already in messages before, and, and some of them are, are too personal and too close, involve people in this church and stuff. I can't share them. But yeah, I just thought, I, it, it, you know, in the last couple of days, I, there was a couple that came to my mind. I thought, I just want to share those. Because sometimes when we share these personal stories, you see the adventure of what walking with God is supposed to be and what passages like this are actually describing for us. That it's actually possible to have a relationship with God where you go and you talk to him and you know that he hears you and you have this confidence that he's going to answer you and he's real and he does it. And so I was thinking uh, back, one of, the, one of the memories that came back to me, and there were so many, but one that came back to me was exactly four years ago. Four years ago, uh, during prayer and fasting month, uh, at that point we only had, uh, we only had two kids, uh, Joy and Charlie, our oldest, Joy, uh, she was four at that time. Charlie was only one. And um, anyway, in that, and so this is four prayer and fasting, uh, um, you know, four years ago in, in the prayer and fasting month. Uh, LaDonna and I, we had a couple of desires that came together. And, uh, and one of them was, we, both of us at the same time, we had this desire, and, and, it's some, and, and you look back and you go, well, that was the Holy Spirit putting that desire there. And that's how God speaks. Often it's just a little thought, it's a little desire in the moment. It's not a big audible voice. I think sometimes you guys think that when us pastors talk about hearing God, it's this big audible voice dreams. That's not how it is. It's often just a small thought, a small desire that comes. It's only later that you look back and you realize, oh, that was God. But anyway, God had just put this little desire in us, and it wasn't a huge experience, but we talked about it, and we had this desire. It's like, we feel like this month, God wants us to pray and fast and ask him to do something that would be miraculous that as a family we could, that our kids could begin to experience God for themselves, him doing a miracle for us. And so that was one of the desires that came. And then the other desire that came was we had, that came together and then it became the prayer request that I'm going to show you in just a moment, is we had this desire for a spot where we could go to do family vacations. Because now we had two kids and, now, and since then now we're up to four. But, uh, uh, and we're going we're gonna to stop there just in case you're wondering. Uh, that's enough. But, um, um, but anyway, so we had this desire. We, we want a spot to go for family vacation. And the spot that we, that we want, and that for LaDonna and me, this is a place we had already been going before we had kids. But it's just, it's just a brilliant spot. And it's Tobermory in, in southern Ontario. And I've talked to you guys about that before. And, and, and please don't go there. I don't want to see you guys all there when I go on vacation, okay? Um, so everything I'm going to say about it that's so good, I doubt you would like it. It's really terrible there, actually. Um, but uh, so anyway, we had this desire. But we want to go to Tobermory. Now, here's the thing about Tobermory. It's, it's really beautiful. Or again, for most of you, you wouldn't like it. But it, to us, it's beautiful. And, uh, but it's very, very rugged. It's part of the Niagara Escarpment. It, very rugged. The whole coastline there along Georgian Bay is very rugged, lots of uh, big cliffs and caves and all sorts of stuff. And so it's a beautiful place. We love going there. Amazing hiking and swimming and kayaking and snorkeling, all that sort of stuff. Again, all very boring things that you would never want to see. But um, it's not great for uh, small kids, except for one spot. There is one spot on that whole rugged coastline, which is all cliffs and caves and, and uh, all that sort of stuff, there's one spot on that whole coastline with Georgian Bay there in Lake Huron that is a sandy beach with shallow water, crystal clear uh, uh, water, and that is a little beach on the coastline there right close to Tomori called Dunks Bay. 
And, and anywhere else, everywhere else is beautiful, everywhere else is fun, all that sort of stuff. But if you have little kids and you want to go to Tomori, Dungs Bay is actually, it's, it's basically the only place you want to go. Now, the problem with Dunks Bay is it's just a very tiny little bay. I mean, again, just beautiful sand. The, there's a bunch of cottages on the beach. They're right close to the water. The water's beautiful, shallow. It's all this sort of stuff. It's perfect for if you have little kids. And, uh, and, and, but again, the problem is half of Ontario also wants to go to Dunks Bay. Okay, it's, it's just crazy. And the only cottage along this bay that was affordable for us at the time was this, this one tiny little cottage, but it was completely filled up all the weeks of summer with people who had been going there, and I'm not exaggerating, at the low end, people who had been going there for 20 or 25 years in a row. So you, you couldn't get in. There's no possible way you can get in. So anyway, so we, we go back four years, the prayer and fasting month, we have this desire, we want to pray something that's going to be a miracle, that joy, our, you know, our oldest daughter can begin to experience that God loves us and that he wants to do miracles in our lives, and we have this desire for a family vacation, so here come the two requests both together, and we just had this feeling, like, it, how, how do you know? Again, it's not a formula. I can't tell you how you know. It's a relationship with God. You just know, and we just, we somehow knew, just like this passage said, we just felt like this was a good request. We felt like God was in with us on this request, and so we said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and fast that we can get into this place, because it's a total miracle. It's impossible, absolutely impossible. We're not talking like, you know, it, it's really impossible to get in there. And so we prayed and fasted that month, and we told Joy about it. And that's always a little scary to tell your kids, because you're wondering, you ever been there? But what if God doesn't answer? What do I tell them, right? You ever been there? But we, but we were just like, we just knew. This is a good request. We, we knew our, and we just, I, I just felt like this is a God request. Let's do it. So we prayed, and we told Joy, this is what we're praying. And, and then we started praying. We prayed the whole month, praying and fasting. Do you know, at the end of the month, okay, coincidentally, what happens at the end of the month? We get a phone call. And this one woman who had always had these, this same two weeks in that cottage, every single summer, she had gone there for more than 20 summers in a row without ever missing, okay? And coincidentally, at the end of prayer and fasting month, four years ago, she happens to suddenly get this desire, I'm going to take a break from going to Dunks Bay. And she decides to go on a vacation to New Brunswick. Somehow, we were at the top of that list, okay? We get this phone call, and the guy says to us, I mean, this just doesn't happen. It never, we don't have openings. It doesn't. But anyway, she just happened to go out east. She wanted to go to the East Coast, taking a vacation. Do you want to take the spot this year? We took it. I mean, we were just blown away. Joy, the whole family, it's like, oh, look at this, God. There it is. We know. You ask him, and he does it. He's real in our lives. This is God doing a miracle for us. We prayed again the next year. A scheduling quirk happened. And the, the owner told me this. He said, you won't be able to come back. We've had a, it's, it's a scheduling quirk, the way things worked out. You got two weeks again. Happened again the next year. We've now gone there four years in a row, and we're already signed up for this next one. That's God. And it's not just God, oh, when I pray for the peace of the world and evangelism, then he answers my prayers. No, no. You know there's an adventure. That's what this passage is talking about. You can ask him things, and you ask him these things, and you know that he hears you, and then and when you know that he hears you, you know that you have the request and you see him do these miracles and prayer becomes an adventure. I was thinking of uh, a, a more recent one, just a little one, but the, the little ones are often the, the most adventurous, the most exciting. Um, two weeks ago, okay, one, one of the things I've been praying, prayer and fasting month, and again, the, uh, the reason I'm sharing these personal stories is I want to show you, sometimes we read these passages, we think of them theologically and they don't fire anything in our hearts. But these passages are talking about, they're not talking about theology. These passages are talking about something that's real. 
There's a real thing. There's a real adventure you can have with God. And you can ask him things, and you can have confidence when you ask him, and then you can see him work in your life. So anyway, this month, prayer and fasting, uh, I got a, a bunch of prayer requests that I'm praying, especially for my oldest two kids, um, and uh, Joy and Charlie, and, uh, and so I got a, a bunch of things. And you know what? When you write down your prayer requests and you make them specific, that is very easy to pray and fast. You know, so many people, it's like, how can you go three days without eating food? Well, the reason is because you are so vague in your prayer requests, you don't know what you want from God. Well, of course you're not going to want to be hungry just for the sake of being hungry. But when you have things and you can see them in your mind, Jesus, I really want you to do these things in my kids. And I have some other things too that aren't just my kids, but I've got these prayer requests for my kids and that's motivating for prayer and fasting. But anyway, one of the big things I've got for my kids is like Charlie and Joy, both, both of them are excellent kids. Both of them have prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into their heart. Both of them, you know, are just really good and all sorts of stuff. But I'm not satisfied with just good and you prayed a little prayer. I want my kids to be, one of the, the big umbrella things I've been praying for Charlie this month is, Lord Jesus, I want him to be radically born again of the Spirit. Where he moves, even at five years old, Lord Jesus, where his heart is tugged into the deeper things of the Spirit. Where he's hearing your voice and following you at the level where he is as a kid. Lord, I don't want him just to be a good kid. I want him to be a born again kid. Now, that's a really big prayer request. So when you have a big prayer request like that, you got to break that down into smaller steps. What does that actually look like? And so I got a bunch of real practical things. One of the things I have on there that I've been praying, if a, if a person is born again, like if you're born again of the Spirit, you're actually born, you're not the same as you used to be. One of the things that happens when you're born again of the Spirit is when the Spirit is in you and you're born of Him, you will begin to love God's Word. That's what just comes from having the Spirit in you. And so one of the things, of my practical things I've been praying for Charlie, he's five years old, is like, Lord, I want this kid to grow up and I want him to have a love for your word. And not just a love for reading it and hearing it in his brain, but a love that he would find life in your word. And he would love your word because he loves you. And, uh, and so, of course, then a practical thing under that is, and then this is where this cool prayer request, uh, or prayer answer came in this last month, was somewhere along the way, our kids pick up these little lies. And I don't know where they pick him up, but we're just all in a fallen state and they pick him up. One of the things Charlie has picked up in his young little life, or he had picked up, was he had picked up this lie, I can't memorize scripture. It's impossible. Okay, so he's five years old, and we always try to do a little bit of memory work and stuff with our kids. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, not tons. Don't, don't think, you know, our kids have memorized half the Bible. They're not even close. Okay, not, e- not even anywhere close. But, you know, just memorize one verse. Lots of kids and kids men are doing it. And so we'd often gone to Charlie and said, Charlie, let's, let's try and memorize a verse. And always, he's never in his five years, he had never memorized a verse of Scripture. Again, this is not panic time. We're not panicking, just in case you're worried. Okay, we're not panicking. We're not trying to force him. You know, some things you just don't force your kids to do. Because you want them to have the heart of it. So we weren't forcing him to do it. But it was something, Lord, when you're born again... You're going to love the word. It's going to be life to you. It's going to speak to you. And we want that word to get rooted in his heart. Jesus, I pray. And so, so two weeks ago, one of the specific prayers I wrote down for the month, out of this umbrella of I just want him to become this, this born again, you know, person, uh, I said, Lord, I pray that you would strike down that lie in his head because he's such a smart kid. I mean, he's reading books already. He's, he just, he's a smart kid, but he just has this lie. I can't memorize scripture. So I said, Lord, I pray that you would strike down this lie in his little heart that he can't memorize scripture, okay? It was two weeks ago. Okay, as I'm praying, again, it's not a formula. I just have this confidence. Oh, I, 
I hit it. I hit a chord with God today. I know that's a request God wants me to pray. And I thought about this verse. And I knew. I had a confidence as I prayed. Ah, this is one. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm expecting. Something's going to happen. I prayed this prayer, and I know God's going to answer it. I have a confidence about this one. So anyway, finished my prayer time, came to work, and like we human beings do, you know, kind of your prayer request is gone. You forget about it. Come back later that evening, and after supper, Eden and Charlie pull out this game called Memory. Now, as I, as I say this right away now, you can already see where this thing is starting to go. But at the time, I'm not thinking about what I had prayed just that morning. But they pull out this game of memory that they like to play, and, they, and you flip these cards, and you, and you try and uh, match them and all sorts of stuff, and, and, uh, and they, they like to play that game. Anyway, just so you know, I'm not one of these parents that lets my kids win games, okay? Some of you are real wimpy with your, with your kids about that. I'm just way too competitive, and uh, I just, I, I beat my kids at games all the time, and I love it, and... Um, <laughs> I should actually say, and you know what? And you say, oh, look at this guy. You know what? I'm actually teaching my kids something. I just told Charlie this again last night when I was beating him in a game. I said, Charlie, you're going to lose in life way more than you win, so learn to love it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, all you parents out there, you're babying, coddling your kids. I want you to win all the time. They're not going to win all the time. They're going to go out in life. Only one person wins any one thing, right? So they're going to lose more. So I always tell them, learn to be happy when you lose, all right? So anyway. So I'm doing my best in this memory game. I don't let my kids win, all right? And wouldn't you know it, and LaDawn's playing too, and wouldn't you know it, we're both doing our best, and uh, I did beat her, thankfully, but anyway. Uh, but Charlie absolutely whips our butts in this game of memory, okay? And he just dominates us. I mean, he just took over, and that was it, and I was doing my best. And so at the end, anyway, he's celebrating a bit, and woohoo, and I, and I want all sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, as he's celebrating, up to this point, I'm still not thinking about the prayer I had prayed earlier in the morning. And he starts to celebrate, and all of a sudden, it's just one of those, the memory, what I had just prayed that morning, comes back to me. Lord, that you would strike down this lie in Charlie's little mind that he can't memorize scripture. And right away, in that that split second, I saw this was all the Holy Spirit set up. This was not an accident that these kids had pulled off the box of, you know, off the shelf of games, that they had pulled memory out. This was, not a, this was not an accident that Charlie had just happened to dominate us this night. This was a complete God setup. And in that moment, I knew it. I just looked at him and I said, so Charlie, you, 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 beat, you beat us. And we did our best. You beat us. He said, yeah, yeah, woo and all sort of stuff. And I said, so you know what that means, right? And he's like, no. I said, it means that you must have a pretty good memory, hey? And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know what that means, right? He's like, no, he's still just pumped, right? And I said, that means you can memorize scripture. The funny thing is, you could just almost see his little five-year-old mind. You could see the key go into the lock and click. Do you know from that day on, the last two weeks now, he has memorized two books of the Bible. No, 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 not books, okay? <laughs> I just thought I'd really pull you away. Holy cow, no, no. <laughs> No, no, he has not memorized two books about He's memorized two verses. This kid never memorized verses in his life. He memorized two verses, Romans 15, 7, and Ephesians 2, 8 are the first two verses he's ever memorized. He knows them both. You can go talk to him in the lobby later. He knows both of them off by heart. He can say them both. He loves it. He's going to memorize another one this week. We've got a list of 25 that we wanted to do by summer, and he's going to do them all, and then there's some prizes and stuff that we're going to do, and, and we encourage and reward our kids and stuff like that. But that, that's, that is the adventure. Now, you say, well, that's just a little thing. Yeah, it is just a little thing. But that is the adventure It's not just, God doesn't just care about big things, oh, world peace, and, you know, we look at these verses and we think, well, God only cares about those things. This promise is only about those things. No, no, this is an actual promise of a real God who loves us, 
And if we go to him and pray to him and we ask anything that lines up with his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have, have what we ask of him. And actually life and prayer become an adventure with God. They become an adventure with God. Now some of you are sitting there and you're going, oh, well, aren't you so special and you always get your prayers answered, all that sort of stuff. Actually, no. I've had lots of prayers in my life that haven't got answered where I felt like I was banging my head against a wall and that's part of why I'm preaching this message. I'm gonna tell you why that is. I haven't had all of them like that and I just don't talk about those ones. We forget about those ones, right? You know, we talk about, we celebrate the ones where, where it's working but I'm gonna talk about why it doesn't always work but before I even get there, I have to show you some even crazier promises Jesus made about prayer and we're gonna spend the rest of this message now in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, three chapters Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples uh, just before he dies, all right? And part of the challenge I'm going to give at the end of this message is I would encourage all of you to go home this week and read through those three chapters a few times this week and just meditate on it. It's a powerful message that Jesus gives just before he dies to his disciples. But anyway, in that message, he four times talks about answered prayer. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, uh, but, but four times. He talks... Yeah. Not once, sometimes, not three. No, four times he does do it, okay? But he talks four times in there about answered prayer, and he makes some of the most stunning statements about prayer. I mean, some of the ones I looked at, you know, last week, and, and the one we just looked at now, 1 John 5, 14, 15, nothing compared to what Jesus is going to say about prayer here, okay? So that's, and we're going to read three of them now, and then one right at the end of the message. So anyway, first one, Jesus is talking about answered prayer, John 14, verses 13 to 14. He says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And I want you to notice here, there's no caveats. Whatever. I mean, I don't dare do this. I mean, I wouldn't come up and say, whatever you ask in prayer, God's going to do it for you. I, you know, I'm going to put in some different things here and there. Jesus just says to the disciples, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That is a stunning, stunning verse. But you know what the crazy thing is? Not many Christians are excited about this verse. I mean, we should be, we should be really excited. I mean, we should be cheering about this verse. That this verse should be one of those verses that at home, we go crazy over this one. Not too many Christians are, are, are crazy about this verse. Not too many Christians are excited about this verse. In fact, lots of Christians aren't excited about prayer, period. And I'll tell you why. We don't believe it. If you believe this verse... You would be excited about this verse and you would be excited about prayer if you actually believe this. You, you would. But we look at this verse and we don't actually believe it. Jesus said it and it proves, you know, we, we, we believe Jesus the moral teacher. When he says lust is wrong, we go, yeah, amen, Jesus, you're right. And we say everything Jesus said, he's the way, the truth, and the light. We say we believe everything Jesus says, but actually there's lots of things we don't believe and we just plain do not believe this verse because if you believe this verse, you would be excited both about this passage and this promise and you would be excited about prayer. But we don't believe it. Because we look at this verse and we think, this is too good to be true. It's way too good to be true. There's something wrong there. We're obviously missing something. He obviously meant to say, whenever you ask me something super spiritual, I'll do that for you. And so really, we don't, the things he wants to give us, we don't actually really want. I'm not that excited about this thing. But Jesus doesn't put any caveats in there. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
Well, and just in case we missed that one, I'm going to skip over John 15, 7, which we'll come back to at the end of this message. But John 15, 16, he says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So there it is again. And then just in case we missed it in that one, this is all part of one conversation he's having with the disciples just before he dies. Okay? And, and, so, and then just before he prays to the Father in John 17, he says this in John 16, verses 23 to 24, in that day, and what day is he speaking of? He's speaking of, just, he, he talks about how he's about to die and then he's going to rise from the, from the dead. And so he tells his disciples, in just a little while you're going to mourn and you're not going to see me anymore. And then right after that, you're going to see me again and your joy will be full. And he says then in that day, so what day is he speaking of? After he dies and, and, and rises from the, the grave. He's speaking about today, that day. From that day after he rises from the dead till now, carrying on, in that day, which includes today, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And isn't that an amazing picture of what prayer is supposed to be? You go to Jesus, you pray, he does real things in your life, and your joy meter goes through the roof. You're so excited. You're just so excited because God's actually real. You don't need someone to read you an apologetics book proving to you that God's real. You know he's real because you're experiencing him. You go to him about little things, medium things, and big things with confidence. He answers prayers and does miracles that you can tell other people about. And it's like, look, God is real. And your joy is complete. Your joy gets just filled up. You can't even get any more joy in there. That your joy may be full. Our walk with Jesus is not supposed to be some boring cognitive thing where we believe things about Jesus and go to church every week and kind of get through the singing and the message and then go home and that's what Christianity is. Your Christianity is is supposed to be an adventure walk with Jesus where your joy is abundant as you experience him and as he does things in your life. And there's asking and receiving and miracles and him working in your life in response to your talking to him and listening to him and communing with him. That's an adventure he's describing there. A joy-filled, experiential adventure with Jesus. You know, uh, uh, last month, middle of uh, middle December, uh, I've never been very good. I mean, I journal. Every, every morning when I have my devotions, I, I journal. I write stuff down in my journal. And, and one of the big reasons I do it is because it helps me concentrate. When I'm writing stuff down, then my mind isn't wandering all over the place. So it's really good. But one thing I'm not very good at is I'm not good. Like, Pastor Ray is awesome. I've learned lots from him, and I'm, and, and I'm learning from him now. But he's been very good over the years. For the last 30 years, he keeps a journal, and now it's all on his computer and stuff. But it's got dates, and it's all the stuff God's done. Things he's prayed, things God's spoken to him, things God has done and all these stuff. And he can go back at any time and it just builds your faith and it builds his faith as you go through the years, all the things God's done for him. And I've never been good that kind of journaling, like keeping track of things uh, for life. But last month, I felt like the Lord said to me, it's time, it's time to start. And so I felt, that, just this little tug, again, again, when I talk about hearing from God, it's not this huge spiritual experience. It's a little thought that I suddenly get and then later, like a month later, sometimes more, I look back on that thought and I go, oh, that, that was definitely God. But in the moment, it's just a little thought that you have. And so I started this file and I just had this thought, you need to start uh, an answers to prayer journal for 2014 and what's going to happen. 
okay, I'll do that. So I started a little file, wrote down a few prayer requests I had. I didn't have any answers yet. I just wrote down a few that I thought I would have since then I've added a bunch more. As I'm going to, to close the file, you know how when you want to close a file, you always have to give the file a name. In order to save it, you have to give it a name. And so again, just this little thought came to me. And again, now I look back on it a month later and I go, oh, that was totally God. But in the moment, it was just a little thought came to mind. Call it my adventure with God journal. So just on a whim. Again, now I look back and I go, oh, that was totally a God thing. But at the time, I just, it was just, I'm going to call it my adventure with God journal. I wrote it down because I didn't have any adventures written in there yet. It was just brand new, but I'm going to put it in there. Since then, in one month, it was basically one month ago exactly that, that I started that thing. I've got three pages now in there of prayer requests and different things and, and explanations why I'm praying for this and, and what's going on around there, why this is a big deal and all sort of stuff. And then wherever God begins to move, I write down a date in red so it sticks off the page and I, and I put it in the color red and I write down what God, not necessarily the whole prayer request got answered, but God is now doing something here. Like God did this miracle and God did this and this person said this, I just prayed this and all sort of stuff. And even in the last month, I looked today, I had to update it again today. 13, in one month, I already got 13 red markings in there. 13 red markings. In the last month, I can just go back. Oh, it just builds your faith like crazy as you see. Oh, and then I'll come home at the end of the day. Oh, I got to write something down in there again. You wouldn't believe what so-and-so, what happened here. Remember we were praying about, and and you write down 13 red markings in one month. This isn't about, you know what, and the thing is, it's not about, oh, well, you're a pastor. This is Jesus' promise to all of us. That prayer and walking with him is supposed to be an adventure. My, each one of us is supposed to have an adventure with God that involves a whole bunch of this. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. This is not a, supposed to be a pastor's experience. This is supposed to be normal Christianity that you can go and talk to people and say, what has God been doing in your life this last month? What has God been doing in your life this last year? And this person can share with you testimonies of the things they've been asking God to do and God's been doing miracles, little, medium, and big. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Well, the question is, and like I said before, of course, it's not like every prayer I've ever prayed has turned out this way. And even as I share with you about my adventure journal and all this sort of stuff and, and things God's doing this month and, and has been doing in, my, in our lives over the years and over my life, there's lots of prayers where it's been, you know, it's like a, it's just nowhere. There's lots, been lots of times when I prayed and it just felt like I got nowhere. Eventually I gave up on the prayer. I never saw an answer. And so the question is, Jesus says here it's supposed to be always. Why do we only experience it to be true sometimes? I mean, some Christians experience it to be true never, but that's, again, I I think the biggest reason there is some Christians just actually have never buckled down to really pray about some stuff. But the rest of us, where we actually have been pursuing God and walking with God, we, and you, some of you, you're, you're right away, your spirit leads within you because you have some stories like mine and you've had some adventures with God and you've seen some really cool miracles God do in your, in your life and in your health and your business and your family, but you haven't seen it all the time just like I haven't. And so the question is, why does it, why does it only seem to work sometimes? Like Jesus here says over and over again, always, why does it only work for us sometimes? And that's what I want to talk about now the rest of this message. And the thing you have to understand is I'm going to tell you why it doesn't work all the time. We're right at the beginning, or we're right at the top here, and then I'm going to show you that in the scriptures now in these same three chapters. But the thing you have to realize about prayer is that answered prayer 
Answers to prayer and answered prayer is only one small part of the prize that we're supposed to get in prayer. There's actually a much bigger prize. It's not just bigger, it's better. There's actually a bigger and better prize for you and I than just answered prayers. And the thing is, the answered prayer part of the prize, it's just a, it's a, I mean, it's a wonderful part of the prize. I love it, and I'm excited about it, as you can see in this message. But that actually answers to prayer part of the prize is just a small part of something much bigger, much better. And here's the thing. If you don't open up your life to receive the bigger prize, you cannot with any consistency receive a little because you can't separate the two. When you get the big, you also get the little prize, which is answered prayer. But if you forget about the bigger prize and you pursue God only for the little prize, you'll find that it's really choppy. It seems to work sometimes. It seems to not work other times. And the problem is because you're not fitting. You're not giving God space to bring in the bigger one and the little one comes with the bigger one. So you say, what is the bigger prize that God wants to give us? What is the bigger prize that answered prayer is just a part of? Well, I want to go back now to John 14, 15 and 16, we'll start the very next verse after the first promise I showed you about, about prayer. And I want to show you the context here. In John 15, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus hits one theme. I mean, you see the answer, prayer, answer, prayer, answer, prayer, answer, prayer. But in, in addition, those are just parts of this one big promise he's making these three chapters. And those, as you're going to see now, those are just pieces of this huge, awesome promise that Jesus has for us. And so we'll start the next verse. And I, and I wish there's so much here. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just in these three chapters. So we're going to have to do a lot of skimming. But John 14, verses 15 to 23, this is what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I want you to keep that in mind. With you. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So first we saw he's going to be with you. Now he repeats it again, the very next line. He will be with you and he will be in you. Okay, so we keep going. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, starting to see a pattern here. Jesus says the Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to be with you and in you. I'm going to come to you. Okay, verse 19. He keeps going. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, I'm going to just stop there for just, just a moment. We're going to keep going, because this is not the climax yet of Jesus' promise, but we're starting to get there. I want you to notice the intense relationality of Jesus' heart in this passage I just read you. And I'm just taking one little passage. You read John 14, 15, and 16. Again, I'm challenging you guys this, this week to read those three chapters a few times through. And all three chapters are covered with this same theme over and over and over and over and over again. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. I'm going to come to you. And then I'm going to be my father and you're going to be in me and I'm going to be in you. I want you to see the intense relationality of this. You know, last week and this week, we've been talking about our prayer requests to God. We're now starting to see God's desire. I mean, if God had prayer requests, this is his prayer request. Our prayer request, we go to God with our prayer requests. Now we're seeing, you know, if God had a prayer request, this would be his prayer request. You see how Jesus' heart and the Father's heart pounds and beats to be close, really, really close with you and I. 
And so he talks over and over again, I want to be with you, I want to be in you. Now, but what's even more stunning is not just how close Jesus wants to be in, uh, you know, with us and in with us and all sort of stuff. And again, he's talking all this stuff to his disciples right before he dies. And he's saying, you know, after I rise, I'm going to go back to heaven and then this is the promise. This is what I'm looking for. I want to be with you. I want to be in you. I want to be close to you. But he goes even further than that and we're going to see the climax of it in just the next couple of verses after this. But we see the beginnings of the invitation right here in the end. I underlined it there that Jesus in this passage is actually inviting us into a relationship that's already going. He's inviting us into the relationship that already exists between him and the Father. Okay? And now, just a little, I, and I took out pages of notes because I wanted to show you this whole thing, but, but I, I'm just going to have to skim over it a little bit right now. But if you go through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus talks about the Father a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And especially if you go through the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about the Father everywhere, absolutely everywhere. In fact, between chapters 14 and 17 in the Gospel of John, there is hardly a conversation where Jesus does not talk about the Father. I mean, just read through the Gospel of John. It is unbelievable the picture of a relationship that emerges between Jesus and the Father. And so over and over again, in, those, in, in the Gospel of John and in all the Gospels, you see Jesus talking about the Father. I and the Father are one. I don't do anything except what the Father is doing. I, I give glory to the Father. I don't give glory to myself, but the Father gives glory to me. He doesn't give glory to himself. The Father has given me all things, and I give back to the Father honor, and I, the Father has given me judgment, and the Father has given me this people, and I give it back. And all you see throughout the, gospel, the Gospels, and especially the Gospel of John, is you see this incredible reciprocating relationship between Jesus and the Father where each one in the relationship is trying to build the other one up and they go back and forth on each other. This incredible relationship of oneness between Jesus and the Father. Now, what's so stunning about this conversation is up until this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus hasn't talked, he's only talked about himself and the Father. He hasn't drawn human beings into it. Now in this passage, right before he dies, he tells, so his disciples have been with him for all this teaching, and he's talked so much about his love for the Father and the Father's love for him, the glory, and all this wonderful, amazing relationship that has existed for all of eternity since long before the universe began. This incredible relationship, and now Jesus makes this stunning invitation, and he connects the dots, not just him and the Father, but he brings in a third dot, the Father and me and you guys. He gives us an invitation that he wants to draw us into the relationship that exists between him and the Father. This amazing, the most incredible relationship that has ever existed, this infinite relationship of love. He wants to draw us into that relationship with him and the Father. This is Jesus' desire. You want to know Jesus' prayer request, if we could talk like that. This is Jesus' prayer request. This is his desire. I want to draw you into that relationship of unbelievable joy and power and love that I have with the Father. He wants us in there with him. All right? And you're going to see more of this now. Now we move towards the climax, verse 21. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And you're going to see this. When you read these three chapters this week, you're going to see this over and over again. He just keeps him and the Father and us. Him and the Father and us. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, we're still not quite at the climax yet, but I have to stop here for just a moment. That the Father will love him and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. This, 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 right there, that is an amazing promise. Anybody who loves Jesus... You're going to obey his commands. You're going to want to follow him. You're going to do all this sort of stuff. But anybody who loves him, he says this, I'm going to manifest myself to that person. 
What does that mean? What does the word manifest mean? It means make myself real to them. Is that not an incredible promise? How many Christians are out there, they have no experience of Jesus? You talk to them, their whole relationship with God isn't a relationship, it's a thing they believe in their head. How many Christians, for how much of our lives, is our, is, you'd say to someone, well, what makes you a Christian? Well, I believe this, this, and this. Well, tell me something that you've ever experienced of Jesus. They can't tell you anything. All I know is I prayed a prayer once. That's what makes me a Christian. They have no experience of Jesus as actually being real. Jesus promises right here, he says, if anybody loves me, he's going to obey my commands, and I will manifest myself to them. What does that mean, manifest? He's going to make himself real to you. He's going to speak to you. You're going to see him answer prayers in your life. He's going to do things in your life. You're going to have various experiences with him in prayer, different places. He's going to do things, move things, speak to you, set you free of bondage, but he's going to do things in your life where he's actually real. He will make himself real to you. He does not want you and me to have a cognitive belief only where it's all about what I think in my head. That's my Christianity. No, your Christianity is also supposed to have an experiential component where Jesus is actually real to you. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you today, that will actually be something you desire. Even as I speak these words and I show you this verse, your heart is going to leap a little bit. I want to experience him too. I'm not saying your whole life will be one big experience. You still will experience some dry times and you'll have many prayer times where you maybe don't feel anything in your human emotions, but you will have an experience of Jesus in your life. I will manifest myself to him. Anyway, we go on the next two verses and in verse 23 is where we're going to find the climax of this promise. But we go through verse 22 first. Judas, uh, not not Iscariot, uh, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, and here comes the climax of all the promise. This is Jesus' heart right here. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's the invitation. You want to know what what, what one of Jesus' biggest desires is? It's right there. You want to know what Jesus really wants for you? He wants to make his home with you. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. What would it be like if God made his home with you? I'm not talking about a theoretical home. I'm saying that so many Christians, they take these promises as a theoretical thing. Jesus isn't encouraging his disciples here with theoretical truths. He's not saying, you know, I'm just about to die, guys, and you're going to be really sad when it happens. After that, I'm going to go to heaven, and you're not going to see me here on earth anymore. But let me encourage you with this. I'm going to theoretically come and make my home with you. It won't make any difference in your life, but you'll know it up here that somehow I'm with you. No. He's promising them something real. They have physically been with him for three and a half years, some of them for even longer. They have physically been with him. They've eaten with him. They've talked with him. They have been been taught by him, and they've been all this sort of stuff, communicate with him, loved him, and done all this stuff with him. And he says, actually, guys, it's not a downgrade what's coming. Uh, I'm going to go to heaven, but the Spirit's going to come, and me and the Father, if you will love me, we will make our home with you. This is God's desire to actually make his home with you in a real way that you experience him. And do you know that this has been God's desire, right? Old Testament and New Testament has been his big desire. I mean, Pastor Ray's been talking about the big story of the Bible uh, over the last couple of months. Awesome messages. I absolutely love it. This is actually a big part of the story. 
You go from Genesis to Revelation. How does this story end in Revelation? And God will make his home with us and he'll dry every tear from our eyes and he will be with us forevermore. That's what it says in Revelation 21 and 22. That's the end of the story. That's been the story all through the Old Testament too. I'll show you one example. Exodus 29, 45 to 46. God says this to Moses about why he rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. He says this. Here's why. One of the big reasons why. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why? Why did he bring them out of the land of Egypt? That, so that I might dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. And I got those two verses up there together because I want you to see how similar, I want you to see how God's desire has not changed. He rescued the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt because he wanted to live among them. He wanted to be right there with them. He wanted to hear their prayer requests. He wanted to hear the desires of their heart. He wanted to see their hurts and their needs. He wanted to answer their prayers. He wanted to love them. He wanted them to experience him and he wanted to be with them. That was his desire in the Old Testament. That's been his desire all along. And what's so stunning in John 14 is Jesus is repeating this same promise, the same desire of God's heart, except it's way better now. Because in the Old Testament, the invitation was God wanted to live with a nation. But in John 14, Jesus now opens it up to the world and says, anyone, anyone, back in the Old Testament, I wanted to move in with Israel and be with Israel. I wanted to love on them. I wanted to bless them. I wanted to answer their prayers. But now I'm making the promise even bigger. Any person anywhere who will love me and follow me and pursue me and seek me, me and the Father, we will come and we will make our home with them. I'm running out of time here, but I want to just, this is the greatest prize. This is the prize of prayer. Getting God is everything. I mean, you think your answers to prayer are are awesome prizes, and they are, and they're wonderful, and it's such an adventure to get answers to prayer. But the thing is, then you meet God, and you realize he's an even bigger treasure. You realize that all the treasure you got in that answered prayer was actually just a taste of a much bigger treasure out there that God wants to give you, and that's himself. And all of your answered prayers are found in him. Which is why sometimes we bang our heads against the wall in prayer because we're so busy trying to get the answer to prayer from God that sometimes we get off track a bit and we forget that the real goal is to get God. And so Jesus goes in this message then and he actually gives, when you get God, and I I don't have time to go through all the verses now, but I'm just going to list these things, okay, as quickly as I can. But Jesus goes through in these three chapters and he shows us, specifically he talks about the blessings we get when we get God, that God actually is the prize. When God moves in with you, he actually moves in. It's experiential. And some of these are some of the things that you know when God has moved in, when you have made your home with God and he has made his home with you, one of the things, John 14, 27, that Jesus promises is that you will experience incredible supernatural peace so that you never have to be troubled or afraid. When God makes his home with you, there is supernatural peace in your life. How many of us go so often in our life, we go without peace? We live in anxiety, we live in stress, we live in worry and fear, but all the problems and things going around the world, when God makes his home with you, when you get that prize, God is the prize. When you get him, supernatural peace. And you can, you can look up the references. This is all stuff God, Jesus promises in these three chapters. Another thing you get when God moves in with you, When you make your home with God, when he moves in and he's that close and real to you, you're pursuing him, you're walking with him, you're close to him, is he promises guidance. That the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into 
all truth. You know what's so amazing about this promise? The Holy Spirit does not give us truth the way we human beings give each other truth. He doesn't give us, you know, here's the stack of everything you need to know for your whole life. Nail you with it. You can't even do anything with that. You know what I love about the Holy Spirit? When, when you begin to have a relationship with God where he moves in and you're walking with him ever so closely and life is becoming a, an adventure where he's answering your prayers and you're praying to him and there's confidence and he's speaking to you, he promises to guide you in all truth. You know how the Holy Spirit does it? Just the right amount of truth at just the right time. He doesn't overwhelm you. I was, we, I've, I've often said to LaDawn, it's amazing how at just the right moment as we follow Jesus, all of a sudden at just the right moment, we have a question about one of our kids, or we have a problem, or something's happened in our parenting or our marriage, and just the right moment, a book comes. And it's just the right book. I mean, if you would have read that book a year before, wouldn't have helped you, you would have forgotten about it. If you get that book a year later, it's too late, but you get it at just the right time, or someone makes just the right comment, or just the right message at just the right time, that's the Holy Spirit. You can trust him that if you, if you make, if you get him. See, some people are so busy asking Jesus for wisdom all the time, they forget that if you actually just get Jesus, if you just have a relationship with him, he promises to give you all the wisdom you need at exactly the moment that you need it. And you have to worry about it. Guidance. Third promise. Jesus says, when, when you walk closely with me and you have a relationship with me, when you get God, when that's the prize, you get a relationship with God, third thing the Father promises is fruitfulness. The Father will make you fruitful. He says that a whole bunch of times in these three chapters. So many Christians are worried, I wonder if God will ever use me. I hope I don't miss it. I hope I don't miss his plan for my life. Jesus says, seek me. Just love me. When I move in, when we walk closely together, I'll make sure you're fruitful. It'll just happen. I'll guide you. I'll make things happen. I'll bring the right stuff at the right time. And of course, answered prayer. And I've got all the passages listed there, but I left one out before, John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, now notice the if there. If you abide in me, it's about relationship. If you're with me and I'm living with you and you're living with me and you're walking with me, if you abide in me, it's all about relationship and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, the biggest prize is God himself. When you abide in him, when he abides with you, when you walk with him, you get all the other stuff. That's when you get the answer prayer. That's when you get the peace. That's when you get the fruitfulness. That's when you get the guidance. God is the biggest prize. But if you don't get this point that God is the biggest prize and that it's all about getting close to him, you'll never understand prayer. See, this is what we do with prayer, and this is why we sometimes bang our heads against the wall. Our human tendency is always to turn prayer into a mechanical thing rather than a relational thing. That's our human tendency. This is why so many people, lots of people always want to talk to me about how do I pray? How do I pray? And if it's, not a bad, it's not bad to ever ask that question. It's a fine thing. The disciples ask Jesus. Jesus does have some tips about prayer in the Gospels. But we're obsessed with how to pray. Give me a book that shows me how to pray because we think of prayer as something mechanical. So we read books and someone gives us an acrostic that whenever you pray, first you do worship, then you do confession, then you do thanksgiving, then you do, then you do intercession or whatever. And we have all these acrostics and it's, it's not bad to have a structure to your prayer time. It isn't bad. Sometimes that helps us get into prayer. But we turn prayer into a formula we turn prayer into a formula that every time I go to God, I've got to start with this, this, and this. Would you do that in a conversation with your wife? you got a formula. When you talk to me, don't talk about that yet. We've got to first talk about this and this. 
How would that work with her? It wouldn't work well. And you read a book somewhere that so-and-so would lie on their face before God when they prayed for lost people. So we try that. And for one person it works. Or for one day it works, and the next day it doesn't work. We want a formula. We read somewhere that so-and-so prayed for 10 years for their daughter's spouse. And then she ended up marrying this amazing guy. So we think, well, I better do that or else my kids are going to marry criminals. So we add that to the prayer list. And then we read somewhere, these are the 10 things you've got to pray for your wife every day if, if, if you want her to bloom. And so you think, well, I, I want my wife to bloom, whatever that is. And so we add those 10 things to our prayer list. And these are the five things you've got to pray for this, and this is the thing for this. And we just want to make prayer about mechanics. It's magic. It's a formula. If I do this, and if I fast this way, and I do it this way, then I get my answers to prayer. And that's why prayer gets choppy. Because the promise isn't in the prayer. The power isn't in words or a formula. The power is in God. When you get God, he's the prize. In him is answered prayer. In him is guidance. In him is all these things. And you don't have to worry and do it all exactly right. It's a relationship. And there's a give and flow. And there's talking. And there's listening. And there's crying out. And there's waiting. You know, this last Thursday... Uh, uh, last day of this fast, many of you guys were in this with me, and, and I got up in the morning, and I just had this thought. Again, in the moment, you don't think, this is God speaking to me, you just think it's a thought. And then a couple days later, you look back, and you go, that was totally God, and you can see just the way he worked through it. But every morning, lots of you were on my news list, and I was sending out emails to hundreds of people every day, just trying to encourage people as we were going through the fast, and encouraging people to really go after God, and it was fun, it was really fun to do together. But anyway, I got up Thursday morning, and I just had this thought. End this fast today with thanksgiving. Now, where did I get that? Did I, did I read a book somewhere? And every time you fast, you must end with thanksgiving, and that's the formula, and if you deviate from it, it won't work. No. It's not about a rule. It was just the thought I had that day from God. And so I sent a little email to everybody, and, and many of you got it, and I said, let's end this fast today with thanksgiving. And so then I was at, at church later, and, and during the time when I normally would have eaten lunch, I said, I'm going to take half an hour, I'm going to go to the prayer room, and I'm just going to spend some time thanking God. And so I just went in there, and oh, did I have the sweetest time with the Lord on Thursday afternoon. I said, I went in there, and I just said, Lord, I'm not going to ask you for a single thing, because I'm just going to thank you, because you're actually the prize. And I just began to thank him, and thank him, and thank him, and all of a sudden, a couple thoughts came to mind, oh, but I better pray about this, because this is the last day of my fast, if I don't get this prayer in quickly, it won't get answered, right? That's... I'm breaking the rules. Okay, Lord, I was just about to pray. Don't do it. Right away, this thought just floods my soul. He said, I'm going to answer every one of your desires. What you need is just me. I know everything you desire. I'm going to answer your desires. I'm going to love on you. Today, I want you just to thank me, and I'll take care of all this. You don't have to ask for it today. You know, half an hour just went into an hour like nothing else. I'm like, oh, I got a lot of work to do. I got to get out of here. Uh, But this is... Because why? Because when God is the prize. And did I try it the next day? Oh, Friday. Well, yesterday I had such a wonderful time with the Lord. I should just thank him. I shouldn't ask him for anything. No, it's not a formula. But when you begin, you get into this relationship and you're talking to him and he's leading you. And then you get this, John 15, 11, These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You get one little touch of God. You know one of the things I told him on Thursday afternoon, just before I was done? I, I started just listening to Jesus, all the things. Because my f- soul was so full, I just spent with him, I could just feel him close with me. 
It was just one of those times. They're precious. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it happens, it's just precious. And I started listening to Jesus. I, I enjoy being with you more than I enjoy doing this. I enjoy being with you more than I enjoy this because you satisfy my soul. And that's what he's talking about, that your joy may be full. Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. You get one touch of God. You get one little taste of him, and you'll want more. You get one little touch of him, you realize you are the prize. You're the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that I want. It's not even just my little answer to prayer I want. It's you that I want. And when you get him, you realize it's not about a formula. It's not about mechanics. When you get him, in him is, every, is everything else. But we bang our heads against the wall the moment we take the relationship part out and we just try to get answers to prayer. And so let me encourage you with this. Weekly challenge. I'd encourage you to read and meditate on John 14 to 16 this week. The second thing I would encourage you to do is this. You're going to God and maybe you're asking him over and over again, Lord, what do you want me to do? 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 And you feel like you're getting nowhere. He's not leading you. Don't stop asking that request. He loves to hear your requests. The reason it feels death is because you've made this thing a formula and you've gotten away from a relationship. He's the prize. So don't stop asking the request. Add a relational component to the request. Any request you have where you feel like you're not getting anywhere, say, Jesus, okay, I feel like I've been praying the same request for like three months and you haven't done anything. It just feels like death. I feel no life when I pray this. But I still want you to do this. But I'm going to add something else. Jesus, who do you want to be for me? in this situation? What do you want to show me about yourself in this situation? How can I experience more of you in this situation? And now you bring the relational thing in because you're not just trying to get a request answer from God, you're trying to get God himself. And the thing is, again, when you get him, you get everything else, all the other promises. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I thank you for this invitation that it is supposed to be an adventure with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, this is not just supposed to be for pastors. This is not for super spiritual people. This is for anyone who wants to be a disciple. Anyone can have this adventure with you. You are the prize. Your heart beats with this desire to move in with each person here. You want to walk with us. You want to answer our prayers. You want to guide us. Most of all, you want to give us you. I pray that this week, as we begin to pray and meditate on your word, Jesus, that you would begin to draw us in, that you would answer our prayers, that you would show us how to have a relationship with you, and that you would manifest yourself to us, that there wouldn't be a person here one year from now. I'm praying that every person in this place, if I would talk to them, they would have an adventure story to share with me from this past year of the things you've done in their lives and the ways you've manifested yourself to them. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.